and we'll do it all week long. Got a big show packed for you today. As a matter of fact, we have Scott from winningfornextyear.com. We'll talk to him at 8 o'clock as we do every week. We do it every Monday at 8. Also, coming up at 9.30, we'll have Avenged Sevenfold vocalist M. Shadows on the air with us, joining the program. I'll talk to him about their tour. Uh, They're going out with Prophets of Rage. That will hit Blossom, I believe it's August the 6th. Uh, we did an internet pre-sale for it the other day, so uh, we'll have M Shadows calling in around 9.30. We got tickets, too. Do we? We do. Look at that. We do. Well, then you know what we'll probably do? What is that? We'll probably give out those event Sevenfold tickets after the interview with M Shadow. Smart. Look at that. That's a good plan. What we'll probably do is play yeah. event Sevenfold. Okay. Talk to M Shadow. And then? And then give out the tickets. There's the tickets. It's a pretty smart system. It's the Avenged Sevenfold Hour. See, you guys, you ever wonder, like, I wonder how that guy got that job. That right that. there. <laughs> that reasoning. That right there. That's what it was. That's how I did it. That's how are you, buddy? Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. It was a quick weekend, though. I uh, I, I, I kind of look back on, on the past, like, 48 hours, and I'm like, man, dude, this feel like it didn't even happen. So, uh... So I, I don't want to say I've got a case of the Mondays coming in already, but it's just like, damn, back at it again. I uh, I don't hate Monday the way a lot of other people do, but right. yeah, today was one of those where I felt like my weekend like blanked like right. that, and you're absolutely right, so I was like, ah, I don't know, I'd rather sleep in right now. I would rather do that. Although Saturday, we had so much fun. We went out for the Shamrock shenanigans uh, that was presented by Coors Light, and we took over Lobies for a little while. We were at TDs, then we were at Falcones for a little while, mm-hmm. and uh, I knew we were going to have a pretty good turnout at most places because right. you know this is like our fourth year doing that and so you know we've seen it but i was even still pleasantly surprised with the turnout at every location now it helped that saint patrick's day was on a saturday does help it really really does the fact that you know you get a weekend to uh to kind of to have there where you get you know sunday to recover and saturday to start early it's, yes. it, it really does lead to day drinking there um but hopefully i think we're starting to see some traction of like saint patrick's day kind of catching on for us of kind of like if this if this is going to be our thing you know what i mean yeah. like we, we I, I think we've got a good one going here yeah i there are we were talking about this last week there are certain cities that care more about St. Patrick's Day than others. Oh, yeah. And I I don't know if I'm right on this, but I do get the feeling that Cleveland's more in on it than Canton had been. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's deniable, and I think that's been a part of the issue is that, like, most of the time... Cleveland's an hour away. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to go to the parade, it's like, well, then, all right, we're going to go do that. But I just think that, you know, well, number one, like I said, having St. Patrick's on a Saturday for the first time that we've been around. Uh, And number two, like a radio station that's embracing it and trying to make it like, yo, let's do this. Like, fingers crossed here. Um, I had a great day. I had a great day. It was a great day. Um, I feel like there's a couple of things that we just, we we, got to make sure that we hit there. Uh, First and foremost, uh, the dude that was the leprechaun that was falling asleep at the bar. Remember him and his girlfriend and how much his girlfriend hated you? So I turned that whole situation on its head. (laughs) Like I could tell she was pissed at him for like drinking too much. Oh, so funny. And you could just tell because she was like not having it. Arms folded at the table. I roll in every time I walk by the whole thing. She was just looking at me like, you big dick. This is your fault. If you didn't have this stupid radio show that he's always talking about, we wouldn't even be here. So I said to her, I said, honey, you, you came to the bar with a guy who has red hair and has like a leprechaun hat on and green pants and a shirt with a leprechaun throwing up on it. If you didn't know this is what your boyfriend was going to look like by 2 p.m., that's on you, not me. And then she, her best friend that was with her, 
We renamed her Crayola because this girl was convinced she had a green shirt on, and it wasn't. It was gray. I made every... Dude, all three bars in a row. All three. I was like, dude, I made them all. I was like, is this shirt green? No. And she was like, well, all these people love you. They all came to see you, so they're just going <laughs> to so they're just gonna agree with you. I said, all right, well, you're not paying close enough attention. If you think everybody that listens to the radio show just constantly agrees with me, you're not paying enough attention. Yeah, that chick was mad, though. Yeah, she was super mad. But by the end of it, like I was riling him so far up that I think, and I was like making fun of the fact that she was so mad how miserable his week was going to be with a, with a pissed off girlfriend. That I think I made him mad, and then like she started to enjoy the fact that. I, <laughs> so like I flip, I, I flipped it. Yeah, that was great. They were great. No, it was a great time. It really was. All three locations they made it to. Well, the three out sort of, the, of the three out of the four did. Sort of. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't totally make it. There was a little nodding out. I think they had to take him home after, like in the middle oh, of the yeah, 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 yeah. I think he uh, he had to go sleep it off in the car for a little yeah, bit. That was there. a good time. That was a good time. Oh man, I got. I got a little, I got a, dude, I got a little drunk. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I did wait until, like, I was like, I had a beer or two. Right. But then, like, I was like, once we were done, like, I stayed at Falcone's for a while. Yeah, I, um. For I, a while. I, um. <laughs> for a while. I, 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 I had Stansbury, you know, riding shotgun in the Rock 106.9 Urban Assault Vehicle. You know, I'm like, all right, well, hey, we'll, uh, we'll go back to the station. Stansbury will go on with his evening. I'll go on nope. with mine. And Sidbury's like, no, nah, I think I'm just gonna stay here at Falcons. And I'm like, all right, buddy. Well, this is this is where we part then. So um, it, it's one of those things. Like you're standing in a bar, yeah, and you're drunk, yeah, and you're like, everybody in this bar is telling me I'm awesome. When the hell am I gonna go home? As soon as we got there, as soon as we got to Falcons, the owners came up and said hi to us, and you know, we kind of said hello to people, we got things set up. And, like, all of a sudden, for at least 10 minutes, it was just me standing there next to, like, the Stansbury Show pint glasses, like, just standing there. I'm like, where is he? People are asking, where's Stansbury? Nobody wants to meet you, fans. I'm like, yeah, I know nobody does. <laughs> so where is he? I don't know where he is. Shots. Shots. And that's 100% when I knew. Shots. I was like, this part of the night is changed for us. Like, it, I, went uh, from, it went from green beers. And as soon as I saw that you had shots in your hand, I'm like, well, this is over. it. This it's is over. It. Foot on pedal. It was, and, <laughs> and, it did, and I did. I had the foot on the pedal all night. Like, I, I went a little hard at it. And here's the beauty, right? Like, at some point, I was like, all right, you're starting to get a little too drunk. All right, sneak out of here. And, like, that's, <laughs> that's, and that's like the best, dude, when you don't totally know people. Because right. like, it's not like you're hanging out with like your friends. You're like, dude, Stansbury bailed. Pulling the Houdini. You don't owe anyone there anything. Nothing. Just adios, you know, just out the door. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about the, the modern era that which we live in of Uber and Lyft, where it's like, to Houdini in the past, you either had to be sober or you had to be willing to get a DUI and kill somebody. Nowadays, you can Uber. be hammered. You can be hammered drunk and still pull the Houdini and get home safely, dude. What what a great time to be alive. Uh, this is interesting. No, I Ubered home from there. Couldn't pick that driver out of the lineup. <laughs> Just got into a car. Here's the thing. Okay. Not only could I not pick my Uber driver out of the lineup, don't know if it was male or female. And this isn't like, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to assume the gender. I'm saying like, I don't know. Do you remember what kind of a car? None. No, nothing. No clue. Nothing. Okay. None. No clue. <laughs> None. So then I go home and I was like, then I got bored. I was like sitting at my house. I'm like, who got bored? Hammered drunk. Hammered. sitting there middle of the afternoon. And I should have, like a grown up, just been like, all right, dude, just stay home. You know what I mean? <laughs> go just, to bed. Just stay, but no, tied the shoes, walked down the street, went to the bar. 
And dude, yesterday, it had been so long since I had been hungover. Like, so long that I forgot how bad that sucks. Like, I woke up and it was like, um, dude, I threw up yesterday. Like, that's, I didn't throw up Saturday night. I threw up yesterday before I went and played golf. And it was just miserable. And I sat there and I thought to myself, you used to spend every weekend like this. And as a matter of fact, when I did afternoons, I used to spend every, every day, day like that. I mean, God, every dude. day. I can remember early parts of my life there. It's like it, it, Tuesday night you'd go out. You know right. what I mean? And like that it was no thing. Um, well, I think you got two things going on there. Number one, obviously, you know, having been on a health kick for the last two months and not necessarily of drinking or, you know, doing anything like that, that's going to catch up to you. Yes. But, I mean, getting older, too, dude. I mean, oh, like, so it is, man. I mean, just no question about it. And I know, like, everyone's like, oh, but, like, after 25, hangovers do get worse. Oh, they get way worse. They get, like, consider- way worse. considerably worse than what they once were. Way worse. I used to say all the time, I don't even get hangovers. And then I stopped drinking for a while, and I was like, Ooh. oh, yeah, I did. I just, yeah. I just... I didn't realize until I wasn't drinking every weekend that's like, no, this is how normal feels. Right. You were just covering it up with Marlboro menthol lights and, oh. and, and bong rips and like and you're like, no, I'm fine, you're fine. So happy I didn't smoke Saturday. Anytime we go out and do like work live in a yeah. bar for the radio station, it's like Dude, I don't know why. It just makes me want to smoke. Inevitably, Dan and I say to each other, like, dude, I wish we had cigarettes. Like, dude, I wish I had a cigarette, too. Because it's that little moment of, like, all right, I get to go, like, do my own thing and be kind of, you know. But but I, I was I was very tempted. I feel like once you get those beers flowing and people are, you know, high-fiving and it's just, like, I don't, it's a part of the scene. It's a party. It is. It is. It, and it feels a little bit like vacation. So, again, we want to thank Lobies, TDs, and Falcons, which, by the way, yeah, I don't want to single anybody out. But, dude, how about the talent working at Lobie's? Stansberry was very impressed. Dude. Very it, impressed. It was like, yeah, I'd sleep with her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, I would definitely sleep with her. I mean, dude, the talent that was working in that bar was crazy. So you can catch Stansberry at Lobie's later this afternoon. <laughs> uh, I got to tell you, dude, they might have to put, they might have to, like, they, they, they might have to put a special stool for me at Falcones, too. Uh, dude, your boy liked that bar a lot. I had fun in there, dude. You should have seen what went down in there after you left, man. Like things, I believe it. Dude, things got crazy. I believe it. Because once I realized, oh, dude, the radio station is no longer part of this. Let me turn this shirt inside out. <laughs> and, uh, you know what I mean? Like stepped into the uh, phone booth there to change the clothes. And things went crazy. Oh, such a good time. Turns out there's a list of things that are gross that we all do mostly every day. We'll give you those after giving you this $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword BANK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's BANK to 200-200. Rock 106.9. 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 106.9. Pass out another $1,000. 8.10 this morning. I'm sorry, 7.10 this morning. Skipping ahead in the program. You can tell I already want to go home. <laughs> get me out of here. This job's hard. I don't want to do it anymore. Kidding, obviously. There is a list of things that they say are gross, and yet most people do them every day. Okay. Now, there are some of these that I don't think most people do every day, and I think they got a little carried away. Like, one of these is masturbating in a public restroom. Jeez, every day? They're saying... On the regular, people will masturbate in a public restroom. Now, there are definitely people who feel confident enough to do that or have enough, probably, I think, psychological damage to where they can, they can do that and not feel guilty about it. I 
don't think masturbating in a public restroom is not for me. I, uh, I, I just, that's not my thing. I'm trying to put myself in the situation where it's happening. Where's the last time have you ever masturbated in a public restroom? Honestly, I can't, I, I can't come up with the answer here. No, I have so done I'm going to say no. I have done this. It was at a place I worked where we had a restroom, and yet public people, like the public was allowed to use it. Okay. I w- and I was younger, and I was, but I was working. Uh, I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope this is a younger person thing, okay? I was working at my buddy's gas station. All right. And so, yeah, every once in a while, you'd be like, all right, dude, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> So you go to the bathroom and kind of knock it out. So, all right. So we're talking about, you know, you're working the overnight shift. It's three o'clock in the morning. Nobody's been in there for the last 45 minutes. You know that the, that the beer delivery guy is not coming for another hour. So what the hell plus. are you talking about? It's five o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> people were waiting to wash their hands. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I know you're trying to make me, you know, trying to excuse away from me. No, no. here's a rope, dude. Come out, dude. Oh. Don't throw yourself out there. It was effing noon. <laughs> um, uh, I, I mean, even like, I, I guess unless you're a, a compulsive, like, you know, masturbator? chronic masturbator. I just, I mean, I, I can't see this happening very frequently for people unless that's your kink. Yeah, it, well, it just sounds like a fast way to get arrested. Like, I would not do that. Oh, would you get arrested? Is that illegal? You're in a, you're in the stall. Doors closed. Nobody can see you. Nobody can see you. Yeah. But somebody peeked in through that little, little, you know, little, little thing right there. Or, you're not. Or could hear you. Right. But you're not doing it like, you're not doing it like in the middle of Walmart. You're doing it in the Walmart bathroom. I'm, dude, I'm telling you right now. You think arrested? Oh, I, I don't know about arrested. I'm saying I bet the frequency in which that happens. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. Really? I think it's probably more than we think. You think? I mean, see, you think it's about the, the, that that bar on the shopping cart of why they give out wipes to wipe your hands? <laughs> it's not. It, it's not. It's not. It's not at all. It's for the public masturbators. Another thing on this list of things they, that are gross that they say people will do, and obviously this is not true of women, but would only be true of men. Is having a conversation with somebody while being erect. Well, I mean, there's nothing you could really do about that one. Yeah, I mean, unless this gets into weird sex again, because if if it's just like a a, a a random erection, like then really, what are you supposed to do about that? But if you're getting yourself erect while talking to somebody, that's kind of like. Well, I mean, that happens in here every week. <laughs> no, for sure. It's, it's just, I mean, it, I mean, it's not about you or it's not about me. But every once in a while, I'd be like, "Oh, hey, look at that!" Little all blood. of a sudden, out of nowhere, little blood flowing. No, that's. A, I mean, honestly, that's not too much of an issue for me. Oh, see, dude, my D still controls it all. <laughs> he still wants all the power. Like, dude, I know you're old. Screw it. I am in charge of this operation. Popping zits is another li- thing on the list that everybody does. Yeah, it's kind of gross, but we all do do that. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing you can do. I don't even that. think it's that gross, honestly. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. It's not, like, clean, Well, the end but result yeah, is a little gross. I mean, wash your hands. Farting in a crowded room is another one of these things. I uh, I don't do that. I, um, I, I feel like that's really rude. It's definitely rude. Like, I mean, no question. It's one of those things, like, I, tend, I try not to do that in front of other people. Like, I was playing golf with, like, three of my buddies yesterday. And, like, do you get four guys together? Things just kind of get gross right. at some point. You know what I mean? But, and, and, like, it's like, I'm not that guy. Like, walking up to the green, like, they'll all do, I'm just not that guy. What if you know you're not going to get caught? Not going to be a, like, you know. Well, there are certain situations where it's like, all right, the gas pressure in this body is way too much. I got to do right. something about this. Got to release but something. It, what I'm saying is I will make an effort to make sure that that's not what I'm doing. I think there are people who are just like, I don't care. I'm just doing this right here. And that, to me, Yeah, I, I don't live that life. I don't live the fart wherever you want. <laughs> like, all others be damned life. I don't. This is another thing that's gross that a lot of people do, 
And I think this, again, goes back to the public restroom. And I think, honestly, I think if people were going to be honest with themselves, I think most people probably do this more often than they should, which is leaving a public restroom without washing your hands. Um, The amount of times I'll see this, I mean, it's all the time. The place and the situation where I'm bad with not washing my hands. Here? At the bar. Like I'm okay here. I'm no. I, I every time I leave here, every, every time I every time I get come out of that bathroom, I wash my hands. Um, but as soon as I start drinking in like a public situation like that, I just get very like I don't care. I don't care. I'm just walking out right now. So I feel like that's one of those situations where I won't. But for the most part, I'm good about it. I uh, I, I am better about it than I think most people, especially in public. I feel like in public, I'm even more a little. I'm a little bit more. Where at home, maybe I'll be like, ah, oh, whatever. I'm you know. I'm probably less likely to. If, if, and again, this is where, where I hate the rules of radio. If I'm gonna take a pee, like I uh, at my house, I'm probably not as likely to wash my hands every time I pee at home. Yeah, and I don't know why. If anything, you should be probably a little bit more like it's my home. I want to keep it clean. But to me, it's like it's my germs. You know what I mean? Like it's my everything yeah, here okay. is my domain. I, I don't want to touch anybody else's pee, but mine's right. all right. Okay. Taking pride in your poop is another gross thing. They say if you fill the bowl, it's just it's one of those things. People will turn around and they have to stare at it. Yeah. It's so weird. It is so weird. It's just like, because here's the thing. I can still be cheeks on seat and get excited. Like, I can't (laughs) wait to see what that looks like. And I have no idea why that is. It's so gross. Well, and then I feel like there's different levels of pride for different accomplishments as well. Like, dude, if you drop a footer, there's something about that where you're just feeling like, yeah, man, that was a complete whole process right there. I mean, if you got to break it in half before you press the, <laughs> the, the, the flusher. <laughs> but I also feel like, I mean, I feel like, you know, there's that, you know, you've obviously got the bowl, the smaller bowl below it. And I feel like it's like, all right, well, if I fill that up, that's an accomplishment. All right. Well, if this happened, that's an accomplishment. Like, I feel like there's varying degrees of it. Adjusting your junk and then smelling your hand is a gross thing that they say most men are doing daily. Um, and here's the thing. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. It's really strange. I don't know what this is. Because, again, once you've wiped ball sweat onto, right. on, onto, your, onto your index finger and smelled it once, you know what it is. So well, why are you still doing it? Yeah, I mean, it's not like they come out with a fresh scent every day. It's not Axe body spray where it's like, oh, man, you haven't smelled the light blue one yet, have you? It's like, no, this is, it is what it is every single day, but you do it. Yeah, I don't understand why that is. And, for a, and so, again, you know what's not on this list is, is flossing your teeth and smelling the floss, which everybody tells me is so gross that I do, and yet you're wiping ball sweat on your hands and sniffing it. Well, yours is just unique. They're equally gross right there. I mean, it's not like you should like hang your head in shame there. It's just most people don't do that. Teeing in the shower is the number one gross thing that they say we all do. I don't understand why peeing in the shower would be gross. Like, I don't get that. Especially, well, I shouldn't say especially. I just, I know as a man, like, if you stand far enough back in the shower and... You pee out, you're fine. Would you stick your hand into, I mean, okay, so you pee into a toilet, you flush the toilet, are you okay just sticking your hand in there? Because essentially that's the same thing, you're just turning your shower into a toilet, right? Well, not really, I mean, I have the drain right there, I mean, it's, I mean, as long as you as long as long you have snaked your drain often enough, you're not, like standing water's not happening in a shower. You're not worried about urine backsplash and like, and, and, and germs? I no, mean, because if I'm peeing in the shower, it's probably one of the first things I'm doing versus one of the last things I'm doing, because it's probably the turning on the water that's making me want to pee, and so at the end of the day, I'm washing everything after I'm done doing this anyway. I uh, I feel like, I, well, uh, yeah, I mean, are, but are you, are you washing out your tub immediately afterwards? I feel like that's where the problem 
problem's going to start to exist. It's like you think you're just peeing and it's all going directly down the drain, but inevitably it's not, dude. You're peeing and there's pee like, you know. Okay, yeah, there may be some splash near yeah. like the hand, uh, you know, it, you know, next to the faucet, you know, portion of the of the shower. Okay, I mean, dude, I mean, I keep a I, mean, I clean my bathroom twice a week. I feel like that's, you know what I mean? I, I, I should be pretty good there. I mean, I just, I, that's, yes, we can all come up with the reason. I'm like, no, nah, it's okay. This is what I'm doing. But I'm just like, saying it's one of those things that you're that's gross that's not really affecting anybody else. Like some of this other stuff is, you know what I mean? Talking to somebody while having an erection, that's, that's although I guess, you know, looking at your own poop in the toilet bowl, which again, dude, the moment I read that yesterday, I was like, yeah, that's weird. Like at some point I'm going to do that today and I have no idea why we do that. Like, I wish I could, like, you know, f- figure out what the instinct is in that. They say some people, and I don't know a single person that would want this photo, but people after taking, like, a huge dump will take photos of it and, like, send it to people. The only way I could see that is if you and your sons, you know what I'm saying? I feel like if you got 12-year-olds, and inevitably your kids are going to think that's hilarious, so I can see that happening. But don't if do it, Dustin. But if it's you don't. and your buddies, if it's you and your buddies, that's, that's a step too far. I might start sending pictures of my dumps to my mom. <laughs> Look, mom, are you proud? Hang this one on the fridge. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. You guys have Show Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show and Rock 106.9. This Sunday from noon to two, you can find Fantone as he'll be at the T-Mobile store, 4459 Building Village Street. He'll be at uh, T-Mobile from noon to two this Sunday. Shout out to the good people at T-Mobile, baby. Can't wait to meet you. One of the things I was uh, I'm wrong about, or I would have been wrong about, is I would have thought OJ coming out of jail, he would have made much bigger news, mu- a much bigger splash. And it's been a little quiet with OJ's release. I would have, I honestly, I expected a reality show already on the air. Um, I still want to get the paternity test on Khloe Kardashian because I do. I just think it's obvious that he's the dad. Um, I, I think you can pretty much see she looks like nobody else in that family. It's crazy. And, uh, well, although, how do you know anymore? They've all been underneath the knife so, so many goddamn times. How do you know? But even when they were kids, you could kind of tell. It's like that one doesn't look like those two, for sure. I mean, it's, we've seen family photos of them when they were young kids. And she just doesn't look the same. Be interested. If, I don't care, but I think OJ's the dad. It would be interesting to find that out for sure. But I don't think you're ever going to see Chris Jenner do it because it kind of shoots a hole in that whole boat. And I just would have thought OJ coming out of jail would have made much more noise. But it hasn't really. But he did speak out. He spoke with the Buffalo News the other day. Again, he played for the Buffalo Bills. And so they were asking him a couple of questions, and they got into some stuff. And they wanted to talk to him about the president. He says, the one thing I can say about Donald is he's fun. And uh, they talked to him about the possibility of, like, when he was trying to buy the Buffalo Bills. He says, well, for a dude, and he says, I consider myself a dude, Donald is a man's man. He would have been a fun guy, but that's just hanging out. If the Bills weren't winning... Having him as an owner would have been tough, I believe. Now, he says they played golf together in the early 90s, and he was at Trump's second wedding. And if you remember, Trump had initially defended Simpson in the wake of those murders. He has since backed away from that. Somebody asked uh, OJ if you would have voted for Trump, and he said, probably not, but I only know like two of my friends I'd vote to be president. Some of my best besties, he said, I would not vote to be president. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'd hope not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know my best friends. Well, your best friends are dumbasses. O.J. Simpson was one of the biggest celebrities in the world and had been, like, you know, hobnobbing with, like, the the elites in society. That guy should have known, at least at one time, a few people that could or should be president. 
but I think O.J. Simpson giving you a recommendation on it is probably going to hurt you more, more than it would ever help you now. But that guy should have known a couple of people that could be president. They asked him about Kaepernick and the NFL protest, too. And he said, look, I just think Holland made a mistake. He said, I appreciate what he's trying to say, but he made a bad choice in attacking the flag. He says, I grew up in a time when deacons in the church were also Klan members. I don't disrespect the Bible because of those guys. The flag should not be disrespected because of what cops do. The flag represents what America wants to be. Um, he said, Cap pushed his luck. Said when he did it the first time, I thought, well, you took a gamble, and I give you credit. But it was him continuing to do it where he made the biggest mistake. So Simpson, I'm a firm believer of doing what you think is right, but I would always stand for the flag. He said that as soon as his parole allows, he will he will return to Buffalo to see a Bills game. I, uh, yeah, I mean OJ. I mean, here's the thing on that though, like. You were kind of singled out back in the day as an athlete. People of the African-American community were looking to to take a bigger role in these kinds of things, and you didn't. And, you know, I, I know Jim Brown once upon a time had said something like, dude, like you need to do you need to speak out more about this. You need to do this. And OJ's whole thing was always like, nah, dude, I'm trying to transcend race. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to, you know, it, it, he famously said, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I mean, that was like that was like a famous OJ quote. Yeah, I mean, you, you have a decision to make there, and with it comes some some good and some bad. I mean, you can lean into something and say like, "Yeah, I am going to embrace this," or you can say, "Hey, I don't want anything to do with it." And both have their pluses and minuses there. So, I um, I, I guess I'm kind of interested to hear him say that, and I guess more so of like. Uh, the first time he did it versus like the second time he did it, because to me it's like, well, if you're going to do it once, to do it to do it once and then be like, nah, I'm done with it. You know what I mean? That's that's when it becomes wishy washy to me. Like once you get some sort of backlash, if you're gonna do it, do it. Um, I could understand being one and done on something that polarizing. Um, I think it's it's your naysayers are going to use it against you if you only do it once. Yeah, There's no why doubt do in it. That. Yeah, but you're gonna have naysayers no matter what, and it ended up being the wrong thing to do. I mean, dude, the book's been written now, especially for the people who think he could still play in the NFL. He effed up. He did the wrong thing. If if it's true that this is why he's being blackballed by the NFL, then there's no way he didn't do the wrong thing. Now, you can talk about the work that he's done since, and he's made huge strides in that, donated a ton of his own money, so I'll I'll give Kaepernick the credit. But as far as his career went, he made a huge, huge miscalculation and error. And I think that's why you're also starting to see more other guys in the league go, ah, dude, Super Bowl, let's not do this. Ah, we're in the playoffs now, let's not do this. But the fact that he's incapable of being a starting NFL quarterback, you feel like is more why he doesn't have a job than anything else, right? I don't believe 32 owners got together and decided to blackball so him, So do you think whether he did this, whether 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 the, the protest well, happened? hold on, let me, let me uh, this is what I'll say. I think 32 owners could come to the decision not to hire the guy, not to have the bad press come with it on their own. I don't believe collusion needed to be happening to keep you know Colin Kaepernick off an NFL roster. I don't believe the NFL had to come together and say, let's all agree not to do this. I think 32 owners could be like, nah, not for me, bro. Not me. I don't want it. Not for a guy who's clearly a backup quarterback. Now, I know what's going to happen now. People are going to send me tweets and tell me about guys who are in the league, who Kaepernick has a better percentage rate. Right. But none of those guys are bringing negative press. And what most teams want out of a backup quarterback is effing silence is what they want. That way, people are worried about the starting quarterback. And Colin Kaepernick could not wrap his head around that. He could not wrap his head around that. Now, he made a decision, chose, and I hear from what I understand is that he's happier now doing what he's doing versus playing football, 
Well, I would be too, because what he's doing now, he's actually good at. More Stansberry Show right around the corner, plus $1,000 will be put in your hands next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. Bill writes in and says, uh, dude, a little earlier in the program, I heard your discussion talking about gross things people do every day. Yeah. And you asked, what is the instinct that would make people turn around and look into the toilet bowl at their poop? He says, what you're doing, actually, is you're looking for worms, as well as some obvious health indicator you might see. All right, I guess maybe that's what, like, but how come I'm never really inspecting it? How come I'm just, like, still standing there just looking at the pure size? Primal nature. I agree with them. I, I mean, I, yes, they're in, there's a little bit of it just like, dude, it's gross, too, and it's funny. Well, wouldn't, would, if that were true, if that were the reason it were being done, then wouldn't, it, wouldn't you do that every time you go to the bathroom and you don't? You don't look at your poop every time? I think no. you give it a little, I think you give it a little, little view. No, I probably don't do it every time. There are times where I'm sitting on the toilet where I'm like, I'm interested to see what's going on back there. <laughs> because of the, you know what I mean? Maybe a feeling or a sensation during it. That's like, all right, let me, I need to get this checked out. But I, it's not every time I, I do it, probably. I don't, I don't know. I guess maybe I don't, I've never thought about it. I've, I've never like documented it, but I don't think it's every time I go. Well, as a matter of fact, I know because I, I've, I've gone this morning since being here at the building and I didn't look. We're just like, all right, kind of done. It says, I, he also says here, I'm not sure why anybody would think sniffing your floss is that gross. It just came out of your mouth. He's like, but I will admit it's weird. It's like, I don't know if it's gross, but it's definitely weird. Just because it came out of your mouth doesn't mean it's not gross though, right? I do a lot of gross stuff comes out of your mouth. Plenty of stuff coming out of there. You're like, yeah. It's interesting. It is Fan Appreciation Week at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Okay. Give you a little rundown of what's going on. As a matter of fact, today you can take 20% off of uh, the Hall of Fame store with a paid museum admission. And uh, Wednesday, you get a free tailgate-themed lunch from 11 to 1. Again, with your paid uh, admission in there. Thursday, 50% off museum admission for seniors, 65 and older. And then uh, coming up this weekend, as a matter of fact, uh, Saturday, the 20... Oh, I'm sorry, not this weekend. Oh, yeah, I guess it would be. <laughs> Saturday the 24th, uh, NFL star Malik Hooker and Charles Harris will be there. Very cool. Uh, they'll be on hand from noon to 2 to sign autographs, take pictures with guests. And uh, you'll also be able to have your photo taken with the Lombardi Trophy from 9 to 5 that day in the Gold Jacket Lounge. And again, with your paid admission there. That's kind of cool. I have a photo with the Lombardi Trophy. Fantone and I both got to take photos with it, and that was one of those things where I was like, "This is cool, very cool, dude." I mean, and honestly, it's it's just one of those things we've talked about plenty of times on the show where it's you know you're from Canton or you know Stark County, the surrounding area, and it's like, yeah, whatever. I went, I've been there before, but it's like if if you haven't been in a while, I mean, it's 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 way different than when you took that sixth grade field trip. You know what I mean? Like, oh, for sure. Oh, I remember it. No, I know exactly what it was. It's like, nah, things things have freshened up a little bit at Pro Football. Hall of Fame. I say this all the time, but the amount of people I meet who tell me they've never been there, I just, I don't get that. Like, I don't get it. I said this when I, do when I lived in Oregon. About an hour away is, is it, it's Crater Lake is the name of it. It's like, they say it's like one of the seven wonders of the world. I don't you know, whatever, but it's like this massive thing. And it was like an hour away from where I lived. And people were like, yeah, no, I've never been. It's like, dude, you live an hour from that, and you haven't been at least curious to be like, let's go see that? I just, I don't understand people like that. I don't get it. Like, if you live here, 
And that's the brain of every, essentially the heart, we'll call it. That's the lifeblood of, of the entire county. And you're like, eh, I don't need to see that. Like, I just don't get it. I think there's a decent amount of people who probably push back against the Hall of Fame. And I know there is, dude. Why? I know there's. Why? Um, just because they feel like, oh, you're spending all this money with the Hall of Fame. You're, oh, you're doing this all with the Hall of Fame. You need to come fix the potholes. Ah, you're spending all this money doing this. You know, Yeah, you need to come take care of me. You know what I mean? I think I, it's, it's not even it's not even debatable, dude. There's definitely people in this community that feel that way. That feel that the Pro Football Hall of Fame gets this special treatment where it's like, well, what, well what about me? Well, what about me? Well, what about me? You think you're in a what about me scenario now? Close that building. Close it. Move it somewhere else. Put the Pro Football Hall of Fame in New York City. Then we'll see how you feel. What about me then? I mean, dude, I don't think people understand the vacuum that would cause. And the closure of other businesses that would cause. Um, yes, I agree with you that that it's a very short-sighted mindset there of like, well, pff, you know, you, you have to look at the bigger picture of an economic impact. But, I mean, I'm telling you, there's people in this community who are, eh, F them. And I'm like, guys, that's, that's, a, that's a bad motto to take there. That's really, that's really strange. I, yeah, I don't understand that. I don't. I'm not saying you got to go once a week. But, I don't know. Once a year? I mean, is that is that too much to ask? I, I, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I mean, much like if you live in Cleveland, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be interested to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like at least once. Well, once again, you're an hour away from that. You know, you're an hour away from Cedar Point. You're an hour away from these things that are like national significant things where it's like you could go be a part of that. All you have to do is just go do it. I mean, imagine live, being born and raised in a town. And never going to the, the one thing that the only thing that the rest of the country knows you for. At least, at least, at least if you live in New York City and you're like, dude, I'm not going to the to the to the Statue of Liberty, but it's because it's New York City. There's literally something every twenty feet. You right. know what I mean? Where it's like, no man, this can't Ohio, baby. You gotta you gotta we but gotta recognize who we are. If you were to visit New York City, don't you wanna go see the Statue of, of Liberty? Exactly. Of that's what see, that's what, kinda of what I'm saying. Like, this is the only real piece of significant thing that Canton, Ohio has. It's the only thing that people know us by. Not going through there? I just don't understand it. Yeah, when you go out of town and somebody's like, yo, where are you from? And you're like, Canton, Ohio. And you're like, oh, dude, Pro I've Football Hall of Fame? For, uh, football, right, right? right, right. Football, right? And you're like, no, nah, I've never been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Don't even know what it's about. <laughs> yeah, that is. That, I mean, what are, you, what are you talking about at that point? Like, I'm sure there are, but imagine being from Cooperstown and not, not going to that. Right? Like, imagine that. I've never been there, but like I, I mean, I, I, I would imagine most people in the area, although maybe not. I mean, here we are. I'm right. sure there's a guy sitting there right, right now talking about, like, what do you mean you're not going to go see Stan Musial? What are you doing? Get in there. I just think it's very, very strange, but it is Fan Appreciation Week all week long at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Figured we'd uh, let you know on that. Turns out there is one thing, one for sure. I'm sure there's more, but one thing for sure women are better at than men. We'll give you that after hooking you up with this $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. Rock 106.9. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. We'll talk to Scott from WinningForNextYear.com. We'll do that at 8 o'clock. Also, get you hooked up with another $1,000. Turns out, there's at least one thing that we know for sure, according to... Eric Morris, a PhD from Penn State. That women do better than men, he says. 
And this flies in the face of what has been traditional thought on this. But he says women handle breakups way better than men. Way better. He says, look, they do do you know the stereotypes. Break up with a woman. They go to the red wine. Yes. They watch sad movies. Yes. They watch too much Ellen. Yes. But the problem is, he say not problem. He says the issue is that they get all that stuff and they come out in a better emotional place where they're ready to meet the next guy having done that. Where he says men, on the other hand, suffer long, long chapters of this, dragging out the obsessive retelling Recalling one more thing, investigating all the emotional forensics, Facebook stalking her for months, if not longer. It says, we do not recover. We simply grind on. Once you saw her, now you don't. Then you see her everywhere. It turns into madness. They say, what's more, a breakup can trigger an actual condition. It's called abandonment rage. A term coined by Reed Malloy, a PhD psychologist at UC San Diego. And he said this anger is the flip side of the lunacy that has happened when you liked her more than she liked you. And now that she's gone, you're devastated like a tornado survivor. You're wondering what the hell just happened. That's true. Now, this is all true. Are, are they putting this through the does, it, does the context of the breakup matter? Where do they explain like, hey, if she breaks up with you and, and you break up with with her? Because I feel like that always has a part of it with me. You know what I'm saying? And personal experiences. I, getting dumped is a lot harder than dumping. You know what I mean? Oh, I disagree. Well, I don't. Uh, I mean, the feeling's probably worse to be dumped, but do breaking up with somebody is really hard. It's really taxing. Like, I don't like having to do it. It's one of those things that I just don't enjoy to do. Um, and, and nor should you enjoy it. But I do. I like, I hate the idea of that. When you have to tell somebody, look, you're just not. Because essentially what you're telling him is, do you don't stack up? Yeah, you don't fit into my life. You don't fit. Yeah. You're, you're not right. And like that's not a comfortable thing to say to somebody. No, and I mean it's not necessarily you're a terrible person, but you're right. There is a little bit of like I don't like this. Right, this isn't working for I me. Need you to tell somebody that you prefer somebody else and that's probably what you're doing there or at least or worse maybe. I don't know what would be worse. I guess it would be case by case and person by person there. But like, what would be worse to be told that uh, I prefer this person or I prefer being alone to being with you? Um, I, I, yes. I mean, both of them are going to have a little bit of like, eh. at I, least if it's another person, I'm like, okay, well, like they might be better, but you'd rather be alone than with me. I would say, I think I would think alone would probably be easier for me to swallow just in the sense of, I don't necessarily view alone as like, all right, you know, you you hate me it's you just don't want me here if you replace me it's like man you really do hate me <laughs> like that like to me it's like man I, I i i didn't i didn't fit that well if you replace me quickly what my brain says is you replaced me before you replaced me right well it's and just so pretty like, safe assumption i feel like and so that is a horrible feeling nobody wants that um but he's right dude both these guys both these guys are absolutely right on this and then i think ultimately dude like movies and tv shows we they have sold us as women being the weaker sex during a breakup but in the in the end i think that they are way stronger at this than men um i i've seen this floated before where it's like you know, day one after a breakup, most women 
depressed, you know, living that stereotype. Most guys feel like, oh my God, I'm finally free. It's going to rain vagina in my house. Dude, I'm going to get laid so much. There's going to be so much. And then you look 30 days later and that woman has, you know, uh, processed everything, moved on with everything and is now like back into being a normal human being where 30 days later, that guy's finally, it's finally dawning on him. It's not going to rain vagina in your house. You're not going to all of a well, sudden, you that's know. That's just it. Like a woman doesn't, a woman, when they first break up, it's because they, they probably are in most cases more emotionally invested into that relationship than the man was, right? So if you break up with a woman, yes, temporarily, initially, she's going to be distraught. But what happens there is over a month's period of time, she starts to realize all the other options that she has, where a month goes by and you realize all your options are gone. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to the concept of at the end of the day, it's true that like you can go out and if you work hard enough and you throw it out there far enough, you're going to eventually get laid. But on any given night, any woman can go out and find somebody to have sex with. Dudes sometimes just strike out. Like you can go out there and you can do your best and you can feel like, yeah, tonight's going to be my night. It's going to happen. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. And it's not like a shortcoming of you as a man. It's just like, dude, that's how the game works. Like you have to be, you know, but for women, you can always find another one and I do think there probably is a little bit of I don't want to say comfort once you get broken up with there but it's like yeah somebody else come around I'll be all right right I'll be okay there's dudes I mean especially with social media now because you post everything so like you post your relationship status in a relationship right and then like 90 days later up that one didn't work and so what happens your inbox goes off when a guy breaks up with a girl and bitches about it on Facebook you know what happens girls go Pussy. Yeah, it dries right up right there. Girls go, sissy, you're not a man. And this is exactly why nobody wants to be with you. Is because you cry like a woman. Like, that's exactly what women think, ironically. Well, and, and uh, I mean, and even if you're not sitting there, like, crying, I mean, even if you're even if you're pissed or you're, you know, I can't believe this bitch and blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's not a good look for you either. So, like, yeah, doing it in a public fashion, it, it, dude, it's a tough time for anyone. And, I, you know, I think we'd all be liars to be like, well, it never happened to me. It's like, no, of course it's happened to you. Like, we've all gone through this. But, like, being public about it, I mean, you're putting the worst of yourself out there. Yeah, and that's, not a, that's not a good look. It's not a good look. I also think men have a harder time with you know a relationship breaking up due to this. Our entire like self-esteem structure. And this is so crazy. This is what makes it a house of cards and this is why men have so much anger. Your entire self-esteem structure is based around your penis and the power that comes with it. Right. And so when a woman rejects you or breaks up with you or leaves you especially if she left is to leave you for another man. You then automatically think to yourself, my penis isn't good enough. And so that feeling doesn't go away. Where a woman, I don't know, I don't know. I've never been a woman and been broken up with, so I don't know. But I don't necessarily, I don't think women go, oh, my vagina's not tight enough. Right? Like, I don't, right, I don't right. think it's a, I, I think they're probably, you know, it's probably more like, did I gain too much weight? Like, is that what it is? Or this and that? I'm sure that there's some second guessing that comes with that. But in a, a man's entire esteem issue is based around this, this one, you know, bodily region. And that's what you're going to, that's what you're going to stress and dwell on when she leaves you. And so therefore you just feel insignificant as a human being, which is unfortunate. But in most cases, that probably was not it. Oh no! I, I mean, if if, if she never—if that was going to be the case—was like, oh well, you just your penis is too small. She never would have been your girlfriend or wife to have started with. That's that's if you if that's what you really think is like. 
I understand on a subconscious level how you feel that way. Your, your masculinity was attacked and like whether it's, you know, through penis size or just like me as, as, as that provider. I feel, I feel how your manhood feels attacked there. But if you really think it's like, oh, my D must be too small, dude, get, that's, get out of your own head. I broke up with it and it was more of a, I don't know really who broke up with who. We got into a fight and then we both just said, you know, enough. And then like, you know, she like packed up her stuff and went. And after that went down. I, if I'm going to be honest about it, and I try to be whatever I can, that woman rocked my sexual confidence for a year plus. I mean, a year plus where I was gun shy, where I was just like, you know what I mean? Like I stacked other women up next to her and felt like nobody stacked up well enough, especially when you start talking about how they look and attractiveness level. I was like, dude, nobody's going to come close. And, and so I felt like I, I felt like there was there was a, a long stretch there where I was settling, and then I got right back into another relationship with somebody else. Shouldn't have done it. Was not ready to be in that. Ended up hurting that person through that, and that was a huge mistake. But that woman really did. It was just like I was second guessing myself on a sexual level for a very long time after that after that situation broke up. Probably even longer than I realize. Um uh, you know and it's it's one of those things that it, it is hard to recognize it in yourself as you're going through it and like that's often why I feel like you have to ask somebody of like dude is this normal am I like should I should I be doing <laughs> am this? I nuts? But do you feel like so like post breakup, like okay, so it all happens. Do you feel like you ripped the band aid, like eliminated stuff from her life, or did you continue to dwell, or did you continue to Facebook? You know what I'm saying? Did you continue to look at her Instagram? Did, you know, no, this and and I handled this one differently than I have some other ones. Um, I went scorched earth. I went your mode, where it's like I took her off Facebook, I right. took her off Instagram, I took her off Twitter, I did all that stuff because I didn't want to see it. Because right. she's kind of one of these people, she's everywhere. You know what I mean? And so I wanted to, I I, I wanted to not have to deal with it at all. And, um, and I don't know if that made it worse because I was sitting around my apartment, you know, initially after we had first broken up, like, I wonder where she is. I wonder what she's doing and not seeing it. I don't know if that made me more creative about what could have been going on. And it made me crazier. I don't know. Right. I think I think all men, especially after that breakup, we get into this weird place where it's like, you know, I, I think that it's a natural position that we come to where it's like you feel like the protector, even feel like a little bit of and I don't mean to say like ownership, but a little bit of like that's your responsibility. Like you take care of your woman. And that's the thing is so like immediately after that breakup, we kind of hide behind this concept of like, well, what is she doing? Is she OK out there? Like, is everything all right? And it's like, well, dude, this is an independent woman who before you was going, you know what I'm saying? was living her life every single day with no aid of yours with no assist of yours but all of a sudden you're like oh my god like what what is happening with her like and it's like dude six months ago you didn't you know you didn't even know this woman i had found out actually too like she had been lying to him about the fact that her and i were done before we were so she was <sighs> she was essentially buying the groceries before the groceries ran out right and which is how a lot of people do this and i have done it in the past too so i don't want to demonize her too hard but there was but through that it made me feel so much worse. Oh, sure. Because I was, I was like, I'm not good enough. That's what this is. She's telling me I don't stack up. I'm not good enough. I, I, and maybe this is just me being, I don't know, a different person, but like, I have a really hard time with people who do that, who go from one relationship into the other. I always feel like me personally, I need time. Like I need like, well, you, I need like, like buffer zone. You said to me early on in the run of this show, dude, is this normal for you? Do you normally hop to girl to girl like this? Like relationship to relationship? And I remember saying to you, no, I don't, but this is new. Girl to girl, like go bang out another chick after you but get girlfriend, your heartbroken, girlfriend. fine, dude, whatever. But, I mean, but I, but you're right. Like a girlfriend, I, I, I have a very hard time with that. I Yeah, I, 
I had made some mistakes. I had started this job out with a girlfriend, right. and that one didn't go well. And then I kind of, and then the girl that we've been talking about through the bulk of this conversation was somebody I had gone back and forth with for over a decade. It was just kind of like back and are we going to do this? Are we not? Are we finally going to get together? Are we finally not? Are we just friends? Are we this? Are we that? Are we going to try this for real or not? And we just had gone back and forth so many times. And what I realized then after she left was is there's a reason why we went back and forth right. that many times because we were never supposed to have done you this knew. together. Yeah, you We knew. never were supposed to be there. And so having run into her just this last weekend, there was part of me where I saw her and I was like, God, she still does, man. She looks great. And she's still... That's not going to change. She's never going to not change. look wait, 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 wait. I mean, dude, her mom's 60 and her mom still could get it. I mean, she's just one of these girls. She's going to look great forever. And it, but there was, it was nice to be on the other side of it. And actually her friend said to me, she goes, I kind of miss you guys together though, because you were so entertaining. And it's like, I, do I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, do I don't miss it. I really don't. But she, but if I'm going to be honest to, uh, you know, about this, she did. That girl rocked my confidence for well over a year after that situation broke up. And actually Brendan writing in right now via Twitter says, what you're talking about right now is way too accurate. I've been going through this for over a year. He says, and again, man, I was there. It's it sucks. I think, dude, you got to tip your hat to women. I know the stereotype is, oh, they just eat too much ice cream and this and that. But ultimately, dude, this is why they get back into a fulfilling relationship faster than we do, is that I think it just goes back to what people have always said about women. They just emotionally age faster than men do. And I think that they're just more. And if, there's the, the other thing is, too, is that women are kind of taught throughout their lives to, to like examine their emotions, where men are told, suck it up, man up, man up, dude. And in reality, no. It's just making you a keg of anger like I normally am. That's a bad, bad system. It's a, I believe everything these two doctors are saying about breakups between men and women. I absolutely do. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. You guys hang on. The Stansberry Show. Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. Rock 1069 coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Also get you hooked up at that $1,000 and 930 this morning. We'll talk to Event Sevenfold vocalist M. Shadows. Uh, on tour with the Prophets of Rage. They're coming to Blossom August the 6th. I believe tickets officially went on sale Friday morning. Pick those up at your local Ticketmaster locations. A good show. Oh, yeah, dude. That's, I mean, I worked the Prophets of Rage show at the Agora, and I wasn't blown away by the album they released. It was good, not great. It was good. Wasn't blown away by it. But when you go see them... And now you get like the best of rage. You get the some dude. You get some good public enemy. You get uh, uh, and you get you know some Cypress Hill songs. Like it's great live. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, that alone, the ability to go up there and, and weave your way through those three catalogs, like it's that a huge like amount of music time to me. It's a huge amount of music. So we'll talk to M Shadows about that tour and uh, ask them about some stuff going on in the country as well. All right. Tomorrow on the program, eight thirty, I believe we'll be talking to. The Akron Canton Regional Food Bank CEO Dan Flowers. Nice. He'll be in the studio. I didn't even know that was going to happen. Yeah, neither did I. We saw nice. that in the hallway just now. Okay. Hey, man, Dan Flowers is going to stop by tomorrow. <laughs> you guys cool with that? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Bring of course. For sure. One more time before uh, moving forward, I want to uh, I want to thank everybody that came out Saturday for the Shamrock Shenanigans. It was a huge success. I uh, I have taken multiple emails. From the sales department that just uh, thanking Fantone and I again, like, dude, you guys knocked it out of the park. People showed up. They obviously care about you. Um, and so thank you. That 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 bodes well for us when you guys show up and want to hang out with us. Yeah, I mean, we didn't do all that much. I mean, just no, drove, around, drove around the urban assault vehicle. We were That's it. Uh, we were at Lobie's, then TD's, 
and then Falcone's Tavern, um, and we made a bunch of new friends that day. Uh, as a matter of fact, dude, a listener of ours dropped off some macaroni and cheese. That story will never die. Never die. That story will never die. Never die. And uh, I'm happy to hear that. Here's a, another thing. I want to say thanks to everybody that came up to me and said, dude, you've been talking about it on the show, and you can see it. You have obviously lost a bunch of weight. And I was like, that made me so happy all day. And I think it's what led me to drinking more. There it was. I Stan's was like, just, it's time to get hammered. I think I was just celebrating the fact that I had, uh, that, that it was at least visually um, able to see. Like your girlfriend said to me, she was like, Dan, oh, she's like, oh my gosh, you can totally tell. And even your dad. Was like, dude, I haven't seen you since the Aerosmith concert, and you're way smaller than that. Yeah, the Fantones, the family, just showed up out of nowhere. We yeah. were we were at Lobies, and I had no idea they were coming. All of a sudden, my mom and my dad are walking up to me. I'm like, "What are you guys doing here?" I came to see Stansberry. So again, I want to thank uh, <laughs> I want to thank Lobies, TDs, and Falcons Tavern for having us out. I uh, I have a feeling you're going to be able to watch my fat ass be planted in a bar stool. Happy hour at Fal- at Falcones from uh, from here until eternity. Stansberry's really a fan. He really I, uh, likes. I place. made some friends there. I did. That is, uh, I will be back and will be frequenting. Well, yes. there was a highlight of all three places. Number one, Falcones was awesome. Stansberry and the ownership seemed to get along well. Uh, number two, you brought it up. You felt like Lobies was a target-rich environment for you. And then number three, dude, uh, the Reuben that you had at TDs, bro. I mean, that was the most that was the most elated I had seen you in probably two three months. Months, man, like there was a look on your face, like, like, like. Well, we all know what it was like. That was the first bread I've had in over a month. I was freaking out when they dropped it <laughs> off at the table. I was like, yes. And um, so I slammed another Reuben at Falcones later that day, and then I had Reuben tacos at Buzzman at like midnight. I just, dude, I went so hard in the paint. As a matter of fact, dude, I got, dude, I got to dye myself out. My cheat day extended into yesterday too. I got done playing golf, and I was still a little hungover, and I was like, all right, dude. So I ended up getting some burgers from Swenson's because I was like, man, I just need something to like kind of soak this up. Might as well go buy a carton of cigarettes, too, no! right? Sansbury's just done helping. No! He's just not doing it anymore. What is the matter with you? No cigarettes. I'm out. I'm right back on track today. I'll be back at the gym today, I, uh, but I did. I allowed Saturday to creep into Sunday. You got to enjoy your life. Absolutely. I want to shout out uh, uh, some of the guys listening in right now. They said, we just had to adjust the antenna as we're down here, the grounds crew at Wilkshire Golf Course. He's like, dude, we're just like messing with the antenna to make sure we can still pick up the show. So Travis and uh, the rest of the crew down there at Wilkshire, we appreciate it, man. Glad to have you guys on board. We'll talk to Scott from Winning for Next Year. That will be next on Rock 106.9. Hope you boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 106.9. We do it every Monday at 8 o'clock. We talk to our good buddy, Scott from WinningForNextYear.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at WFNYScott. Buddy, how are you? Doing all right, man. How are you guys? You know what my question is going to be. It's going to be draft-centered. Obviously, we know the Jets moved up and uh, traded with Indianapolis, which people were shocked. People thought Indy was going to be looking to take a running back, and a lot of people feel like Barkley may be there at three, which is where they were. But the Jets traded up. Do you feel like this will impact the Browns either way on what they were going to do with either the first or the fourth pick of the draft? No, it's just going to impact those fans who thought that they could wait on a quarterback at four. Um, you know, We were kind of talking about it last week a little bit, right? I mean, it, the, the no-brainer is taking the quarterback you want at one. And, you know, everyone was saying, well, someone will be there at four. Well, yes, yeah, someone will. But now it's looking like QB4 if you, if, you don't, uh, if you don't take the guy you want at one. So, no, I don't think it's going to change what the Browns do. It might change what they do at four, given, given who's left, but it, it shouldn't change what they're going to do at one. I wouldn't think so. And I'd, I've never thought it was going to be Barkley at one. 
I think if you look at the way John Dorsey has drafted, even when he was with Kansas City, it just doesn't look like that's his system to me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's I, even even I mean, system aside, I mean, the value, long term value of a running back is much much shorter from a shelf life standpoint. And you know, Dorsey just came from a team that took Kareem Hunt in the third round. Right. Um, you know, right. so you know, I know, I know he understands the value of a running back clearly. But it's also he also understands that uh, the value of that, uh, you know, is, is is much different on a on a draft pick basis than uh, you know than anything else. I mean, not that you know, I'm not saying they're a dime a dozen because clearly there's a there's a cream of the crop when it comes to a lot of these uh, running backs in uh, in football. Uh, but if you even if you look at the teams that were most successful this year, um, you know, I guess you know Pittsburgh, notwithstanding. Um, you know, not many of them did it. You know, on the ground, and even with, with Pittsburgh and Le'Veon Bell, you know, they have uh, they have this uh, up and comer named Antonio Brown who who helps you know kind of carry a lot of the load. And by the way, getting the ball from a Hall of Fame uh, bound quarterback as well. So yeah, it's, Barkley would be fun to watch and fun to root for. And regardless of what team he's on, he's he's gonna you know have a decent career. Uh, but it's, this Browns team needs needs much more. Different uh, allocation of their draft resources than a running back at, at, in the top two. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as we look at this draft right now, I think it's a safe assumption that one, two, three is quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. At that point, the Browns are in a very unique situation, I feel like, because there are three talented players at the top left over at that four spot where you've got Saquon Barkley, uh, where you've got Minka Fitzpatrick, or you've got Bradley Chubb. Now, each one of those dudes represents a need on the Cleveland Browns roster. Obviously, you can't have too many pass rushers when it comes to Chubb. Fitzgerald would uh, strengthen a, a, a kind of flimsy secondary, and, and you know Barkley would have the ability to score points. If you are drafting and you've got those three dudes in front of you, uh, Scott, if you're the Browns GM, who are you taking? Probably one of the defenders, um, depending on where they think these kids could slot. Um, you know, I know Fitzpatrick says he wants to be a nickel corner, which or a slot corner, which I think is a, a weird way to add value to yourself in the draft process if you're trying to tell yourself that you're going to cover the inside, which which has value. Don't get me wrong. It's just you you start to narrow where teams can fit you. Um, you know, it's a, it's a passing game, and if you can get you know yards from the pass or or stop your opposition from, from getting yards in the past, that's, that's how you win football games. And we saw what the defensive line uh, for the Eagles did against the uh, New England Patriots when it mattered most in the Super Bowl. So a guy like Chubb would also be very, very enticing to put across for Miles Garrett. But, again, I also would, would, uh, would caution a bit of a trade-down scenario because we saw what the value was for that pick out of three and now we certain now we have you know you have the the Broncos you have the Bills you have a a couple of these teams that are not in the top ten who want to get into the top ten who who might be willing to give up a bit of a ransom that might be too much to pass up if you're if you're John Dorsey so we'll see what happens but if they are in the catbird seat being able to get the top quarterback and the top position player if if they so choose and I can't think of a time that we've uh, we've had that that luxury for lack of better term uh, in Cleveland. We now know that the Browns have Tyrod Taylor as a quarterback. We've heard uh, Hugh Jackson come out and say, look, he's going to be the starter. Let's just end this right now. We were going to start Tyrod Taylor at, at you know the first day. And I was talking to a guy yesterday. I was playing golf with a couple of buddies, and uh, a guy said to me yesterday. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that totally happened. Um, and a guy said to me yesterday, 
um, that he's not wild about what Dorsey's doing. And he feels like trading Deshaun Kaiser away and bringing in Tyrod Taylor. He's like, you just, he's like, you brought in the same exact quarterback. That Tyrod Taylor and Deshaun Kaiser are too similar, that he didn't see a reason to be doing it. Can you tell me what a difference in those two quarterbacks may be? Everything. Um, <laughs> I love it. I mean, I mean, Tyrod had is one of the the best interception you know interception ratios in, in the NFL over the last three years. Um, and and Ty and uh, Deshaun Kaiser, albeit being a rookie and albeit being asked to pass the ball too very, much, very young too. Um, very very young. Had had one of the had one of the worst interception ratios the NFL has ever seen uh, last last season. Um, he might be able to hone in his his uh, you know his his his, uh, you know, willingness to throw into coverage or make decisions or whatever you want to call it. Um, learning under a guy like uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers probably won't be too bad of a place to do that. Um, so there, there's a chance that Ty, that uh, Deshaun Kaiser ends up being a decent professional uh, in, in the NFL. That doesn't mean that would have happened here had, had he not been traded. Um, you know, I, I think what Tyrod can do with his feet, what Tyrod can do with his decision-making – um, will 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 provide this team uh, with with some ample resources on the offensive end. And Deshaun could run. Don't get me wrong. Um, but when it comes to decision making and uh, and accuracy, uh, Tyrod is in probably I would say the top third in the NFL. And Deshaun was clearly in the bottom. I, what I have been saying is that I just all that is true. I, and I agree with everything you said. But I think also that Tyrod Taylor is enough. Um, and I didn't think so at first, but I think so maybe now that it, if he plays well enough, it's enough to keep the quarterback controversy for this rookie we're going to bring in at bay for a season. Where Deshaun Kaiser, I just don't think it was never going to be enough to keep it at bay. It was going to be we're flipping coins. Hey, no, right. you're going in the game. Now I'm going to start the second half with this guy. I mean, we were going to see more Hugh Jackson like not knowing which quarterback to play at that point, and I think that's what Tyrod Taylor brings to the Browns. Well, he's a professional. I mean, and you, and you can't really say that about many guys since Josh McCown, uh, you know, who have, who, have, who have played for the Browns here. Um, and and that, that helps so much. You know, I know, there, you know, the A.J. McCarron talk that was going on. I, that, I don't even think that would have kept that discussion you're, you're no talking way. about at bay. No way. Um, I... where, where Tyrod Taylor, you know, they, the, <laughs> you know, yes, the whole Nate Peterman thing, but, I mean, the, the Bills were in the playoffs. You know what I mean, and they 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 were you know they were a playoff team, with you know with uh, you know and yeah they had LaShawn McCoy sure, uh, but you know name another you know one or two playmakers on that team that uh, were able to get them there. I mean they did that by by not making mistakes and uh, having a guy who can do that, who's proven to play in cold weather, mm-hmm. who you know who, who's been who's been around the block in terms of you know he was in Baltimore and now he's in Buffalo. I mean he he knows. How to get things done here, and and you know, and we've seen it before. It could it could fail miserably. I mean, I, I, I the odds of it failing miserably are probably higher here than than it is anywhere else in the NFL. But that said, you're still giving yourself a really really good chance, and you're and to your point, you're stemming any controversy right out of the gate, regardless of who they take. I would agree. So much of this conversation that we're having right now, Scott, it is uh, looking forward. It's looking forward to the draft. It's looking forward to next season. It's looking forward to the immediate future of the Cleveland Browns. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't look backwards right now and uh, talk about number 73, Joe Thomas, obviously heading down 77 southbound um, five short years from right now to sure. uh, to walk into Canton, Ohio as a Hall of Famer. Um, I asked Munch last week. The future week, morning show at Rock 106.9 <laughs> is excited to host that event, by the way. I, uh, I asked Munch last week, but I want to ask you right now. 
now, Scott, uh, Joe Thomas, where does he land in your all-time great Cleveland athletes? I mean, he's, I mean, especially of those I've been able to watch, um, you know, he's got to be, got to be one or two. Um, you know, he wouldn't, you know, he's not going to top LeBron clearly. Um, but I mean, you're you're going to start putting him in, you know, in the territory with some of these, you know, the Jim Tomey's, Omar Vizquel kind of Hall of Fame bound players as well. But I mean, Thomas did it in Cleveland his entire career at an elite level, which is something you can't you can't say about some of the other names that I just threw out there. Um, you know, and I'm glad that he did the way he did and said what he said because he 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 made every fan that was saying, "Oh, the Browns don't know they're held hostage," all this stuff. I mean. He, he, the team knew what he was doing. Um, you know, they were a part of these talks for, you know, for, for weeks, if not months. And, you know, the, the way he mentioned about how he was unable to tie his shoes for a two- or three-month stretch, you know, unable to get out of bed without rolling over and kind of doing a push-up, yet still getting out there every Sunday and performing at an elite level, I think, I think if that doesn't resonate with, with a fan and what he went through for this city, despite how poorly they were run and how terrible their their overall record was the entire time he was here. I don't I don't know what would. I mean, he is the pros pro, um, and I know he got a knock for towards the end of his career, not necessarily endearing himself to some of these younger guys who weren't going to be a part of the team going forward. And you know there was a you know became kind of a player coach in a way, and you know it didn't it not practicing. You know when you're when you're a young guy trying to make it, and you see this guy just on the sidelines or on the bike, I, that could rub you the wrong way. But you're also, when you're a young guy trying to make it, you're also not a 10- or 11-time Pro Bowler um, who, who's earned that right to, to do what he did. So, I mean, Joe Thomas is, is, a, is a treasure, um, and he's going to be missed in a lot of ways. And I, I, I hope it's not, you know, doesn't rear itself too soon on the football field. Do you think there's a chance Joe Thomas ever goes into coaching? <sighs> you know, maybe. You know, I, I, I think, I think the, the media side is really going to be his calling, especially out of the gate. Um, the guy is, is, is a lot of charisma, as, as has, you know, kind of shown itself over the last couple of years. And, and truthfully, you know, I, I think there is a lot more of a safety net with him there than, than it would be on the coaching front. Maybe he could turn himself into an O-line coach who then moves into an offensive coordinator role. Um, but there's not many offensive line coaches who end up being professional head coaches at, 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 at the NFL level. You know, it's a lot of skill positions that move their way up that way. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting, but I do think at least out of the gate, and he kind of alluded to it, that the coaching thing is not going to be for him right now. Um, and he, it sounds like he's fielding a ton of offers from a, from a media standpoint, and that is not surprising, both at a local and national level. Huh. That's Scott from Waiting for Next Year. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at WFNY Scott. Also check out the site, waitingfornextyear.com. Buddy, we appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you again next Monday at 8. Take care, guys. Be good. Yeah, have a great week. More Sansbury Show after you get hooked up with this $1,000 right now. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sansbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Coming up at 930, we'll talk to Avenged Sevenfold vocalist M. Shadows. Uh, they're out on tour with Prophets of Rage. That show coming to blossom August the 6th. We'll have tickets to give you. And we'll talk to, uh, like I said, vocalist M. Shadows, 930 this morning. Exciting. Yeah, he's a good dude. I've had him, uh, uh, I interviewed them once before. I did... I'm not going to talk to him about this, but I did interview them uh, backstage at an Ozfest, and you could just tell they were having a bad day. Like, they were just, I mean, it's not like they were dicks, but you could just tell it's like, dude, I don't want to be doing this right now. 
I'm just trying to do my job. You know what I mean? It was like right. one of those. It's 95 degrees. We're in Cuyahoga Falls. What the hell are we doing here? Some, yeah. God, I wish I was at home. Dude, actually, that was when OzFest, when they did it in Columbus. Oh. And um, who was it? System of a Down ended up being your headliner that year. Something happened. Um, and I forget, like, something happened. Somebody had to, like, yank off. But System of a Down headline. And there was an African-American gentleman who was on the program at that point. A lot of people may remember him as Cracker Man. And uh, we took him to that. And all day long, that guy dealt with so much racism Jeez. at that show. I mean, dude, it, it, dude, we just heard the N-word all day that day. Jeez. Like, all day. And it was, I mean, it was bad. It was atrocious. And Dana is his real name. He was such a good sport about it. But then System of a Down came on, and he saw, like, people, like, how that came out. He was like, dude, this is a, he's like, this isn't a concert. This is a rally. He was like, this is, and he was like, Dan, he's like, I'm afraid. He's like, take me back to the bus. I'm afraid. System of a down. Very, uh, what do I want to say? Progressive? Very yeah. anti-racist. He couldn't, but like, he well, couldn't no. tell that. Well, no, I don't think the audience necessarily could either. But like, it's funny how that's like, all right, dude, I'm out. He was like, dude, all day he was like, fine. You know, I knew I was right. going to deal with some of this. I work at a rock station. Yeah, there's going to be part of this. And, but when system, dude, like, it was like the second song in the system of a down set. And he was like, bro, I'm that's scared. Enough. I want to go back to the bus. So I had to like walk him back to the bus. I shouldn't laugh. It's not funny. I was going to say, hopefully not the back of the bus it's either. There. <laughs> that was funny. No, we, uh, we, uh, we, we let Dana sit wherever he wanted <laughs> on the bus. We didn't even make him drive it. He was <laughs> he was, he was totally allowed to be part of that. We'll talk to M. Shadows from Event Sevenfold, 930 this morning. Okay. I, um, you and I had asked each other a question off the air on Friday. Okay. And we just didn't know the answer to it. And we're like, I wonder if something that's happening right now is normal. That's what we, that's what Fantone and I both want to know. Is this normal? And we legitimately, neither one of us knew, which is interesting because we try to stay up to date on uh, as many things as we possibly can. But but we are not experts on everything, and I, I'm or anything. Sure our management will let you know that. Um, but We're definitely not experts on business. No, I, uh, I I didn't know the answer to this question, and I didn't necessarily know how to find it either. So I'm glad that we have some sort of an update on this. So WKYC put this out, um, and I believe they use the site Verify to like track it all down. But and according to the numbers that were compiled from the Brookings Institute, okay. And this is on the turnover rate of the Trump administration. Okay. Now, again, before we get into this, I am not looking to jump up and down on the president. Okay. Um, I know some people feel like that's who I am. I really don't. I feel like I've given the guy more leeway than most people in the media. Um, and that I try to give him as much leeway as I can. Well, maybe he wasn't really trying to do that. Maybe it was this. I feel like, dude, some people call me a Donald Trump apologist, which I don't think I'm that either. I just, maybe I am. I just don't feel that way. I just feel like there is a little bit of, I want to pile on this guy because I hate him. Well, yes, I, I think that's a very real thing, the pile on mentality. I also think the head in the sand is a very real mentality. It is indeed. It's a high wire act for any opinion-based show, unless you're just leaning into it and like, you know what, we're going to be the F Trump show, or you know what, we're going to be the Trump is the greatest show, and you lean into it. But if you really- but I don't want to be either one of those things because I feel like at some point you have to fake it. Well, right, because I mean, like, if you want to have nuance, if you want to have gray area, if you want to have realness in your conversation you it can't is, be it's, it's a high wire act when you deal with the president it is agreed so he is experiencing 43 percent turnover rate in his administration and i had said to fantone on friday i was like that has to be high it has to otherwise this would have been news before right yeah and i think my response was i don't know 
Like, it sounds high, but is this normal par for the course kind of stuff? Because honestly, I mean, I, number one, I don't know what Ronald Reagan's turnover rate was. But I do. Like, I have it here. Okay. All right. So I have it. You've here. got numbers. All right. I uh, I have the turnover rates of the last five presidents. And again, I uh, I already gave you the, the the end of the conversation, which is Trump is at forty three. Okay, forty three percent. Oh, dude, that's almost fifty percent of the staff flipped over. That's obviously crazy. Again, I was saying last week that if fifty percent of this radio station staff flipped over. Well, first of all, it would just be Fantone being gone. <laughs> but, like, it would be noticeable, and you would be talking about it going, okay, there's something going on there. Yes, if you if you right. run a restaurant and 50% of your serving staff quits or 50% of your, ki- or 50% of your kitchen quits, it's, it's an issue. It is. So Ronald Reagan had a 17% turnover rate in the first year at all. 17. Reagan, essentially the standard of the Republican Party, the modern standard of the Republican Party. They would put him on the $10 bill tomorrow. Yes, 100%. George Bush Sr. had a 7% turnover rate. HW right there. Bill Clinton had 11% of his staff flip over in the first year. That's just because he's looking for new interns. George Bush Jr. had 6% of his staff depart the White House in his first year. And Barack Obama, a 9% turnover in his first year. So nobody... Nobody in the last five presidents hit 20%, and the current administration is at 43. So, again, I'm not looking to jump up and down on the president, but that's a story. Guys, that's a story, right? Like, there, there's something happening here. Um, now, I, again, as a guy who feels like he wants to try to, you know, to, to give him some rope, there was part of me that was like, well, is part of this because we have more information, more ways to pass information around and we are paying more attention that are is the American public seeing what's happening with these people and there's pressure to flip the staff over that there might have not been in Ronald Reagan's era and George Bush Sr.'s era when we weren't paying attention to what everybody had to say because the only information we had was the nightly news and the newspaper. Is Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook moving this down the line and making it to where these guys have to flip staff over more? Okay, maybe that's part of it. However, I feel like Barack Obama would have dealt with some of that. He was the first president dealing with social media in a real way. He was like the one of the, you know, he was the first president to really have to deal with social media. Again, Twitter didn't even premiere, I think, till 2009. And so, like, he was like the first guy to like have to deal with that. So you, but again, we use Twitter now way differently than we did in 2009. So was that part of it? I think maybe. All right. So again, I'm looking to give Trump a little rope here. So maybe. But I don't think that that takes it from 17% to 43 is my point. Yeah, I mean, and uh, you right, know, maybe it jumps 5 17 is the highest of those numbers. You know what I'm saying? Yes. They, most of them were under 10. Yes. Um, I, I think what this really boils down to, or at least the way that a lot of people are going to brush this off, are going to say, like, well, this isn't even a story, this is a non point, is that. Oh, I disagree. With he, that. Well, he's he's draining the swamp, and if you're not good enough for the job, if you're not able to do the job, if, you, if if you're not good enough, then you, why, I, I'm going to fire you. Is his staff the swamp? I mean, it's his appointed staff, it's his administration, but I mean, they're going to say like somebody like you know well, somebody like HR McMaster's is a longtime Washington crony. We're getting him out of there. You know, I mean, uh, like these are that's that's the argument that's going to be made there. Uh, that's pr- in my estimation, that's flimsy. Because again, this is your staff. You know what I mean? Like, so pick somebody else then. Pick a non-swamper. 
If that was your whole thing, which by the way, I haven't even heard them say that in a while. His administration. I know that's what he, that it was like he banged on it to get elected and it worked. Totally worked. But again, told you he was going to drain it. And look, his, the, the staff is still filled with Washington insiders because that's who knows how to make these things work. And that's why the I'm not a politician thing never really works. Because the only real politicians know how this stuff really moves and shakes. Right? I mean, you kind of have to be an insider to know what's going on. <sighs> you would think, you would think, but like that's the that's the argument against it as well. That's that's the best part is it's not a Washington insider. If you really want something done, you got to get somebody who's you know who's who's not a part of that evil corrupt system. I'm being told the turnover rate is high because people that don't agree with his policy, he's trying to do his job, and he gets criticized by his own administration. Okay, that's still his fault. Well, and that's the way it should be because a a first and foremost, he picked him. So that's his fault. Should have talked to these people, screened them, and found out where they were on his policies. And B, more important than that, you should surround yourself with a staff of people that can give you the devil's advocate argument and or criticize your policy to keep you in check. If you are constantly firing people that disagree with you, I think that is a sign of weakness as as a person. I do. Now, you don't want somebody who's going to be counter to your your goals. You don't want somebody... I, I understand the like, well, hey, if we're trying to get this passed, you don't necessarily need somebody, but like, a part of my job is to push back on Dan. And like, there's times when it's like, dude, I, you know, it, it, it can get contentious it can get but at the end of the day I think we both recognize that like that's you know that's what's supposed to happen here is there is supposed to be a little bit of of, of conflict so, like there is supposed that you're supposed to have that agreed Amy writes in and says here's my question out of that 43% do you know how many quit and how many got fired Amy this article does not go into that but again she brings up an interesting point because it's worse almost if you quit it's worse because it's like, dude, get me out of this. Like, if you get fired from your job, that sucks for, you know what I mean, for you. But if employees just up and leave a company, that's indicative of a problem with the company. Something's not going right here. That it's so bad that people went off this ship. No matter what, no matter how you want to break this down, this is bad for him. Might be another firing today. Talking about Robert Mueller. Okay, that's a dumb move. That is a dumb move. I want to make this abundantly clear. I have no idea if President Trump is guilty of colluding with Russia to fix the election, if his administration was guilty of that. I have no idea. I don't know for sure that they were. He's acting like somebody who's guilty. You know, like when you question your girlfriend about a text message and she overreacts, it's like, oh yeah, you went down on that dude last night. That's why you're overreacting. Because you know I have you caught right now. And so now you're deflecting, which is just signaling that you're guilty. And his tweet storm yesterday morning, I stopped reading them at some point. is because I was like, dude, I don't know if you're guilty or not, but you're sure reeking like a guilty person right now. 43% turnover. I don't care what the reason is. He's the reason. And as a guy who tries to give him the rope, bro, it looks like this entire thing is on fire. I don't care. Dude, there's no other way. There's no other way to look at it. There is no yeah, but. No, there is no yeah, but. It does. It looks like it's on fire. 
No one hit 20%. He has the highest turnover rate in 30 years in office. And I will grant you that the media examining every little thing that happens and Twitter is definitely playing a part in it. Fine, I'll give him 10% of it. So you go from 17 to 27%. What's the other excuse? And again, you can criticize his policies all you want. He picked them. This is like when a girl say, all men suck. Every last guy I've dated sucked. You know what all those dudes had in common, ho? You! You picked them. That's what all those dudes had in common. I, dude, this is, I don't care what anybody tells me. I don't care what anybody tries to tell me. 43% is high, and it looks bad. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. You guys, hang on. Dan Stansberry. And his boy, Wonder Matt Fantone. At last, two heroes. The Stansberry Show. Rock 1069. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Online for you, WRQK.com. Coming up at 9 o'clock, your shot at $1,000. Also, 9.30, we'll talk to event sevenfold vocalist M. Shadows on the program. $1,000? need that $1,000, dude. How many dudes are looking at their St. Patrick's Day, you know, tab right now? Like, oh, son of a bitch. I didn't mean to spend all that money. Bro, I woke up yesterday. Yeah. And, 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 and I looked at the uh, online banking app, my CSE app. I opened it up. And I was almost sad that CSE has this much technology. <laughs> like, damn you and your technology. Um, I didn't need to be forced to see this. Sometimes it's a little pat on the back. Like, damn, dude, I really got it yesterday. But, like. Bro, I went hard. I believe it. I do. When I saw some of those receipts, I was like, damn it. And let's be real. I mean, we were getting free drinks for a while there. So, like, I don't even understand how it got expensive for you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. All I know is that every single dollar I made Friday night at the Agora, <laughs> I gave to another bartender. It was just like, it was like hot potato with cash. I got good news for Netflix binge watchers. Need it. One of the biggest shows that network has, The Ranch, is going to move forward. For those of you that don't know, Danny Masterson had been on The Ranch with Ashton Kutcher. Danny Masterson had been accused of rape by, I believe, four different women. Um, one of which actually walked up to a, to a Netflix executive at like a baseball game and said, hey, what are you going to do about this? Right. And the guy said, well, we don't believe the women accusing him. And she's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And so like that happened. I'm a, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I mean, obviously, Ashton Kutcher and Danny Masterson had a relationship from that 70s show. Yeah. But he's such an advocate for sexual assault victims where like he's in this. He's in Is that the, why? Uh, I, well, at the very least, I know he's he's I know. He, he runs like this thing where they're busting like child porn peddlers yeah. like he's like he's very active in that so i'm surprised he didn't have more of a pushback there. i would think so too yeah i'm surprised well you know what i'm surprised i'm just surprised we didn't hear more quotes from him on right so they're going to move forward and they're leaning on a very talented actor and very funny guy and somebody who has a long history with ashton kutcher as a matter of fact this guy got his start on mtv's punked and it's dak shepherd okay is going to take over for danny masterson and i think that this will end up being good I now again sitcoms are kind of telegraphed they're easy jokes you can see them coming a mile away and I think that's why the genre has been suffering over the last you know three four years is that they're just very paint by numbers but I was pleasantly surprised with how much more I enjoyed the like friends kept telling me watch the ranch and I would like see the photo on Netflix I was like oh my god it looks terrible and then I watched it I was like oh well dude uh, is it Sam Elliott like Sam Elliott's kind of funny 
I'm, I am surprised that you were such a fan of the ranch. And I'm not, I mean, it's nice. Stan's very like, dude, you know what? I got a ranch poster hanging up in my room right now. Um, but like, I I'm tried to watch it. it. I tried to watch, I don't know, and I made it maybe through two and a half episodes. And I was like, eh, I'm done on this. For me, I put it through the filter of, is this as good as like a, a sitcom I'd see on like TNT or like one of those like kind of networks? Absolutely it is. It's every bit as good as one of those. Yeah, it's one of those like throwaway TBS shows. Yeah, I mean, it's not any different. And I, I did start watching it on a plane as I, okay. you know what I mean? And so like I was kind of like doing that. But there have been times at night when I'm trying to go to bed, even since like watch, and I've watched it all. I've seen all four parts. And um, there have been times since having watched it where I'm like, all right, I don't really want to watch something, but I want the TV on while I go to right. bed that I'll just kind of turn it on. I, I guess with, you know, like, um, what was that show on Netflix? House of Cards. I guess with that, in my mind, that's such like a power for them where it's like, well, yeah, you kind of have to continue that show after Kevin Spacey, like Bang Boys or whatever he did there. Um, but like to me, I, I, didn't, I guess I didn't recognize that there was such a fan base for The Ranch. I would have just been like, you know what? You know, we're what, done. Well, you know why that is? And, 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 and uh, this is my guess on why that is, is that people want to talk openly about the fact that they watch House of Cards. Why? Because you feel smart. So smart. You feel smart when Ooh. you watch when you watch shows that appear to be smart and yeah. you understand what For they're sure. talking about. You're like, I'm smart. And so you want to tell everybody in the world how you're a House of Cards fan because you think it makes you super smart. Yeah. Where if you tell people you're a ranch fan, of course you are dirt foot hillbilly. Like that, you know what I mean? And so I think there's probably less people willing to like or not, not willing, but I just think you care less about telling people you watch stuff like that. But I have looked at numbers of it before and it did huge numbers for Netflix. And um, it's as far as sitcoms go, it's not one of the worst ones you're going to get. And I think Dax Shepard is a huge addition. And again, not only that, hopefully we'll get a maybe we'll get a couple of uh, appearances by his wife, uh, Kristen Bell, who I think is one of the hottest women in Hollywood. I absolutely love her. So Dax Shepard taking over for Danny Masterson. We'll get you hooked up with that thousand dollars next on the Stansberry Show. The Stansberry Show, Kenton's Rock Station, Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Going to get you hooked up with $1,000 here momentarily. Still to come, 930. We'll talk to Event Sevenfold vocalist M. Shadows. Their tour uh, with Profits of Rage opening up will be at Blossom August the 6th. We'll also have tickets for you. We'll pass those out after talking to uh, one M. Shadows. Okay. Tomorrow on the program, New Tour Tuesday, looking ahead, uh, 9 o'clock. It'll be Eminem with his new song, Nowhere Fast. Jake Owens, I was Jack, you were Diane. Okay. And new STP, Roll Me Under. And I talked to a buddy of mine who went out of town to see an STP show with the new lead singer. Who? Who's that guy? Who's the singer? It, they they grabbed like some guy. A nobody? Yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure it's a nobody. Okay. And um and I had saw some videos of it a couple of months ago, and it was way better than people thought. And my buddy went to the show and he texted me, he was like, dude, STP is back. Like, this is a thing. Like, this guy's great. And I was okay. like, okay, all right. So we'll have to see how that goes. But their song, Roll Me Under, on the program tomorrow. If you're in a local band and would like to be featured on New Tour Tuesday, send me your stuff. Sansbury at WRQK.com. So Tiger Woods officially back on the PGA Tour. Tied for fifth yesterday at Bay Hill, the Arnold Classic there. I'm sorry, Arnold, Arnold Palmer Invitational, I believe, is the official title. Bay Hill, it's a great golf course. And uh, Tiger had a pretty good weekend. Um, there was one day where it wasn't great. He finished two over. I believe it was Friday, and he kind of like took him out of it. Um, but he got right back on track yesterday, made a run, tied for fifth yesterday. Rory McIlroy wins. He uh, played lights out. I believe he shot a 67 yesterday. That's, I mean, for those of you that don't know, that's really good. 72's par. 
Um, so, you know, to shoot 67 out of day is pretty good. All right. Um, but my sport is kind of is kind of proven their killjoys a little bit here. All right. And I don't know what to make of this. Um, they were talking to Rory about the crowds getting out of hand. And he's like, look, man, he's like, I was just walking to holes and guys are just screaming out my wife's name. And he was like, I so I went over and I tried to have a talk with him. He's like, I just think it's getting to be a little bit much of what we're dealing with out there. And he says, Rory goes so far as to say, I think they need to limit alcohol sales on the course. They need to do something. He says here every week. It seems like guys are complaining about it more and more. Now, I don't want to put myself in too bad of a light here, but I'm a bit of a yeller at events, dude. I am like, <laughs> bro, dude, Fantone just got effing eye rolled harder than anybody. In, dude, cause he's not a little bit of a yeller. Like, dude, honestly, the first time I went to a Canton charge game with Matt Fantone, I was embarrassed. Like I wanted to move away from you and the wrestling event was way worse. I was going to say considerably worse than a wrestling event. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, especially I, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong with this, but in golf, like I'm not pulling out your wife's name to me. I mean, do you? Okay, everyone's got their favorite golfer, right? So you're a tiger, dude. But do you feel like, 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 like Rory? Like, oh f that guy! I'm gonna yell his wife's name. So, do you know a bigger golf fan than me? No, I don't know Rory's no. wife's name. Yeah. I don't know her name. I mean, I'm sure you could Google it. You know what I mean? But- right. But what I'm saying is I don't have the information top of mind. I'm a pretty big golf fan. So not only not only did you have to, because like I guess with like Tom Brady, you're gonna know his wife's name because she's her own celebrity thing. It's yes. like most dudes in, in professional sports, you've got a super hot wife, but you don't necessarily know who she is. Right. So somewhere along the line, this guy, this heckler, time. right, took the time to Google his wife's name. Found it out and then decided, you know what? I'm rolling forward with it. There's, it just here. Here's wow. Here's wow. what has me hesitating on it, though. It's like, dude, the game is considered by most, by most, to be boring. And now you're gonna tell them, oh, whatever you do, don't have fun when you get here, right? I mean, now look, I played golf yesterday with a couple of my buddies. All right, I'm obviously not a good golfer. Not definitely, definitely not good enough to play on TV. I mean, dude, I shot, I played hor. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll tell you, I shot 54 on the front yesterday. Jeez. That's how bad I played. Jeez. Horribly, played horribly. Okay, that's really bad. Okay, now there were times while I was trying to do in what is called the short game chipping, where I was trying to make shots and guys were talking behind me and it screwed me up. So the, I I do understand the concentration that is needed to do what you do. However. Wouldn't a sports fan that likes the big three sports tell me what's the difference between that and a free throw? Right. I mean, you like, need that's just what as a sports fan is going to tell me is that it does take concentration, and yet you're allowed to yell, scream, do whatever you want during that. What's the difference between basketball and tennis or golf? I guess maybe there's just a little bit of the air of superiority that has always existed with those games where it's like, oh, gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. You know what I mean? Like, there's a little bit of that. It's the country club uh, mentality. (sighs) Would golf be better served if it was more exciting, if it was more like you could do stuff like that? Or what's more important, the concept of growth in the game where it's like, all right, well, we want, you know, Matt Fantone, John, you know, John Q. Public out there. We want them to tune in and let's make it a little bit more fun. Or is it the integrity of the game? Like, no, it doesn't matter to us whether the TV ratings are up or down. We are making sure that golf is the the institution that it has always been. I think if you go that route, that you probably are more likely to phase yourself out. Now, there are different tours that are different. 
Right. Or different tour stops that, that are different. Like Phoenix, dude, it is kind of built in. Like the guys know Phoenix, it's kind of its own thing. You kind of do what you want. However, like Augusta, where the Masters is competed for, I believe it's April 5th in, uh, through the 9th or whatever it is. In Augusta, like, dude, there have been, there's, there is a golf broadcaster that is never allowed to broadcast on site from the Masters ever again because he once had talked about how tightly they were mowing the greens down at Augusta and made a pubic hair reference. Yeesh. And Augusta's like, dude, that was that's Gary McCord. It was like 20 years ago. He's still not Done. allowed to broadcast Done. at the Masters. Wow. Out. Like they they do they're they're so serious. It's just like, dude, you're done. Right? So it's I don't know what to do here because I did hear a rumor. I don't know about this. My buddy told me that I guess two big fat people were in the woods behind one of the greens having sex at, at, the, at the event down there. And in Orlando, dude, I could see it. It's a little rednecky down there, dude. Like, well, you know I, mean? I mean, what is public sex out of the question? It's never out of the question. Never out of the question. So I'm kind of in the middle here because, like I said, I do understand the concentration needed for this, but it's like, dude, guys, if you're going to make the sport more boring, how do you think you're going to wrap your? How do you think people are going to want to want to come to this without tiger dude you could never say this like the only way you could even say this out loud is because tiger woods i mean dude the ratings i believe for this tv this last weekend were up 30 percent because tiger was playing i mean dude the impact that guy has on that sport is just i don't think there's another athlete that impacts their sport as far as a viewing product goes as much as tiger does and if there eh, there might be a boxer here or there but i don't think there's like a baseball player that impacts viewership the way tiger does for golf it's just crazy but i'm not sure limiting alcohol sales i mean dude we're already losing tour stops i mean there's probably there's more than enough tours you know stops that people don't go to is again i just think this is my sport just being honestly bad and uh just you know you know just keeping your fans to arm's length and i just don't think that's the society we live in now people want you to be approachable and i just i, I think this is going to work against you in the end we will talk to m shadows from event sevenfold we'll do that after getting you hooked up with this thousand dollars right now your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 106.9. Teresa will get joked up with another $1,000. 10 this morning. She'll have your uh, next keyword for you. We'll also have some Event 7-fold tickets because we're getting ready to talk to M. Shadows. Their vocalist, and I am hearing from his people via my text messages that M is ready to go. Let's get him on the phone. I want to thank you for spending some time with us this morning. I know you're probably doing like a cattle call of like radio stations calling everybody in the damn country, getting ready for the tour. But oh, I it's appreciate all good. It. Um, so you guys uh, are no worries, be, man. You will be in the Cleveland market. You're going to play uh, Blossom August the sixth. That's a great venue. Uh, you have played there before. I I, I would imagine. Um, I want to talk to you about this thing that happens when I mention your band. When you say to people that Rock is dead, Avenged Sevenfold is the band that everybody goes, no, what about Avenged Sevenfold? I have had kids, <laughs> I've had young people who listen to the show tell me all the time, dude, they're my Metallica. So to have your name like thrown around with bands like that, I mean, that has to take you back a little bit, right? Uh, it's crazy. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, I, f- I still feel that it's our duty to um, try to take this thing even further because, as you and I both know, Rock is you know, in a little bit of trouble in terms of mainstream exposure. Damn right. But when it comes down to, you know, you know, kids that are, you know, growing up with the guitar and, and with video games and however else they're exposed to Avenged Sevenfold, 
Um, I just know that it's it's a total honor that they say that. I don't feel we're on that level, but I definitely appreciate it, and I feel it puts a little bit of responsibility on us. When you say, like, rock star or front man of a band, the three names I hear most, Dave Grohl, Corey Taylor, M. Shadows. That is huge oh, company God. to be in. That's huge company to be in, <laughs> Yeah, right? it is. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I am well, very... again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with them, but, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I, um, I, I think you have a really interesting voice. I think the band is great. I was working in rock radio when Backcountry first came out. I remember we heard it, like the label sent it to the, I was the music director at that station. Um, they sent it to my desk and I like ran into my boss's office. I was like, dude, we have got to get this on the radio as fast as humanly possible. And um, I remember programmers back in the day feeling like, I don't know, it's a little busy. They're a little, it's something's a little different. And now you guys are like the sound. I mean, you have dominated rock radio for like the last decade. It's crazy, man. Cause you know, when, when you're young and dumb and putting out records like that, you have no we had no idea how radio would respond. In fact, we didn't even know the label would be sending it to radio. You know, right. we never had any radio before then. And so it's kind of funny looking back on it and realizing how different it was at the time. I remember, you know, not hearing any guitar solos on the radio anymore. I remember not hearing much speed. A lot of it was just kind of slowed down radio rock. And uh, so it was. it's kind of crazy looking back and seeing that that actually worked. Uh, but I think sometimes the things that work are the things that aren't meant to work, and that's why they sound different to everyone. People routinely will say that you guys are saving the rock format. Oh, boy, that's a lot of responsibility. We're talking to Avenged Sevenfold vocalist M. Shadows, and uh, I've always kind of linked you guys to Iron Maiden, which I think is a compliment. I love that band. And I've always said about them that I felt like they were a history lesson with guitar solos, and I feel like you guys kind of fit that bill, too. So where does the inspiration come from to write these records? Well, you know, in the early days, a lot of it was Iron Maiden and um, bands that Iron Maiden had influenced, whether it was In Flames or any kind of European metal bands, you know, mixed with American metal, like the Metallicas and um, the, uh, the Slayers of the world, Megadeth. So that was kind of our early inspiration. And then we, as we got older, we kind of started pulling inspiration from, you know, either stuff further back or music that wasn't a part of our genre at all. Like whether it's Leonard Cohen or Elton John or all these different, the Beatles. Um, So all of our influences have have just kind of been a big kaleidoscope of, of different things. But Iron Maiden to us, has always been like the pinnacle of, you know, speed, thrash, melody, um, and then storytelling. So that's, that's a good point. I mean, they're, they're amazing at that. Um, so, yeah, Iron Maiden, Metallica, those guys are, you know, the, the pinnacle of, of what we're trying to do. Yeah, no, I never have the lyrics done. I always work on the music with the guys first, and okay. we, we get that down, and then it's usually me, you know, trying to figure out what's going to happen. On the last record, though, you know, writing about artificial intelligence and space exploration and all that, that was more of a product of everything I was reading at the time and everything I was into. And so I knew I wanted to do something like that. And so you'll hear, you know, the songs later in the record are very, you know, space, you know, they sound like outer space type music or or Gustav Holst, like symphonic pieces. And a lot of that had to do with, we knew we were writing for things about artificial intelligence, technology, and, and space exploration. So that, that kind of inspired, like, exists. You know, we knew we wanted to write something about the Big Bang. So that inspired us to write those risks that way. So it kind of was reversed this time. Okay. But usually I'll just go in there and I'll write about some stuff. But I try to stay away from all the cliche things that you're going to hear, which are dominating the radio, you know, the same sort of stuff. I try to stay away from that.
We're talking to M. Shadows, vocalist for Avenged Sevenfold. I want to talk to you about one of your songs that's a huge hit and actually one of my favorites, and it's on my playlist for the gym, Hail to the King. I love that song, and I love lyrically how you start that song out. What's it like to have penned like a massive hit? Dude, and, and I'm starting to hear it at sports games and stuff. It's like That's like the dream come true. You know, you go out to a sports sporting event or a hockey game, and they're playing it the same way they would play the Crazy Train or, you know, those other pump-up songs. So that's been very cool because, you know, we are rock guys, but we're also sports guys. We love you know, our local teams, we love going to events, and when that starts getting played places, it's very, you know, gives you a little smirk inside, makes you very happy. We're talking to Event Sevenfold vocalist M. Shadows. You're coming to town August 6th at Blossom, so obviously you're going out on tour. Other than that, what's uh, what's coming up for Event Sevenfold, my man? So we're going to start writing again after this tour in September, um, and then just try to figure out creative ways to release it, creative things to get into. You know, we did the video game stuff with Black Ops. Maybe we do something with the new Black Ops and just try to really... You know, after this tour, just figure out cool new ways to get music to people and kind of keep pushing this genre forward. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about some of the things that are going on in the country as we're talking to M. Shadows from Event Sevenfold on the Sansbury Show. Um, we're seeing kids walk out of, uh, of school um, for these gun protests. And I'm not going to ask you where you are politically on that particular issue, but I will ask you, do you think that these kids and these movements will get movement on this issue with Congress? I hope so, man. They're the future, and they're the, they're the ones that are, you know, sitting targets in these schools, and I think they have a right to, to protest, and I think there's a lot of logistics that go on, obviously. Um, I think technology can solve a lot of our problems. No one's talking about that. There are ways to, you know, do finger, you know, if my iPhone can open from just looking at my face, then we can get guns that work in a similar fashion, I feel. You know, there has to be some give on both sides, and both sides right now are just not willing to give at all. And so you get this sort of thing happening, but... Sounds like you and I agree on this. I'm always saying you got to be willing to totally compromise and be willing to give up some things, maybe that before the conversation you weren't willing to, in order to get movement. But it just feels like people are too afraid to lose. Absolutely. And right now it's just so polarizing. No one wants to give up anything. And it's, you know, it's tough. But I, I respect these kids and I love that they're doing that. I just think, you know, I just I think as, a, as youth, they have to care. You know, and they're the ones that are getting shot in these schools, so... I respect it, and I love it. I think it's one of those things where, for me, it's, at first, I want to be like, ah, they just want to skip school. But then you see schools like there was Boston. <laughs> well, I mean, that was what I thought. But then in Boston, like, they had a snow yep. day, and the kids showed up and, and were standing outside of the school anyway. They didn't even have to be there. And when you see that, it's it's a little inspiring because – you know, like I said, I'm in my 40s, and I kind of, you know, I was raised in, in, in America, and, and if you would have asked me when I was growing up if, if this would have even been considered, I would have been like, no way, no way, and yet here we yeah. are, and it's, it's interesting to see young people, you know what I mean, take the reins and kind of force the conversation to be had when people were refusing to have it, and again, no matter where you're on it, no matter what side of it you're on, you can't deny the fact that there is at least more conversation happening right now. It's, so it's a little interesting to see. This is how the country works and always has. And there's always the generation, which I would consider your generation and my generation, which we kind of look back on these kids and we have to, you know, assess what we really feel about what they're doing. If, if they're doing anything that makes sense, is it just, you know, do they just want to skip school? And I feel this is how the country changes. And this has always been, you know, the forward progress of America. And that's why we live in a great country where you can do stuff like this and we can have this discussion and there are going to be new ideas, and there are a lot of ideas that people still aren't talking about. Right now they're talking about it's black and white. You've got to take all the guns or, you know, or, or we keep all the guns. And, you know, there's just, there, there is a compromise in the middle somewhere where, where no one really wants to budge. And I get it. 
but this is how the country changes. It's usually the kids. Talking to M Shadows from Event Sevenfold again. I'm not going to ask you to tell me which party that you belong to, but are you even a political person? Um, I would consider myself. I would consider myself pretty political, but I try to keep it out of the music because I just know that every soundbite you'll get from me on a, a radio interview or a magazine, then there can always be an, a counter argument, which I'll never be able to re- rebuttal to. And that's what gets taken out online. And that just causes more division. I find, especially with our fans, you know, where they hear anything like, Oh, you're taking out prophets of rage. They're, you know, communist jerks. Blah, blah, and it becomes like this crazy thing where there's no discussion. And I feel like I'd rather save my comments for a discussion that can be had and, and you can actually talk intelligently about things instead of just little sound bites. I love it, man. You got a great outlook on things as we're talking to M Shadows from Event Sevenfold, and you are taking out Profits of Rage on tour for your tour, which will be at Blossom on August the sixth. I can tell you this, dude. I work at the concert venue that they did that that Profits of Rage came to Ohio and played for that political rally. Like I was actually working in that venue they played there that night in Cleveland and they ripped the roof off that place, man. It that your tour package yeah. is going to be great. I think so too and I think our biggest challenge right now is getting a Ben Sevenfold fan to get out to these shows and see. I mean, this catalog these guys have is unbelievable. It's massive. With the Cypress Hill, the Raging Machine stuff, it's unbelievable. So I think if they get to the show they're really going to enjoy this. And I think they can, you know, not worry about the political stuff so much. I don't, it, it shouldn't be so polarizing to them because I've seen a lot of fans, you know, that don't want to hear it. And I just think, get to the show, listen to the music, have a good time. It's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Well, the end of the world tour, I guess it is. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I, I think people are going to have a great time if they get out there and see these songs you guys are playing. These, these guys are legends. They were so good live. They, I mean, the, I really enjoyed that show, and I agree with you. I think once people come to the show, they get a, you know, they get they get a draft beer in their hand, and all of a sudden, Prophets of Rage are playing Down Rodeo. All of a sudden, they're going to be like, "All right, yeah. this, this is pretty cool. <laughs> this is pretty cool. I'm glad I was here for this. I'm glad I saw it." And uh, the tour will be coming to Blossom August 6th. M Shadows, I know you've got a busy day ahead of you, man. I'm not going to hold up the rest of it for you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning, and uh, we'll make sure to send some people to the show for you. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. That was a fun conversation. Oh, that was cool, man. It was good to talk to him. I've uh, been a fan of the band for a long, long time. The show's coming August 6th at Blossom. We have tickets for you. Let's send somebody right now. We'll take caller 20, 1-800-243-7625 on those Event 7 full tickets. I'll be right back to close out the program for you. 6-9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. You can hear the podcast on iHeartRadio. You can also hear it at WRQK.com. And if you missed Event 7 Fold vocalist M. Shadows, it will be in today's podcast shortly after 10 a.m. at WRQK.com. Uh, good interview with him, dude. That was honestly, what do I want to say? He had some great answers on stuff. He was really interesting. It's one of those things where it's like, you never know. Because I talked to him about the school shooting issue. And I was like, well, let's see what happens. Roll the dice. Let's see what happens. If, if, I mean, if he's not willing to talk to you, it's going to be awkward. But awkward can be good, too. You know? And uh, But I, I would have preferred to have what did happen, which is he was willing to talk about how he felt about it. And I think what's happening there, maybe, and that this is just a guess, but they've had a long enough career now where I don't think he necessarily has to worry so much that like it's over tomorrow if he maybe says the wrong thing. Oh, the difference between the first record and the seventh record. I mean, just all Huge the difference, difference in the world yeah. there. And I like, I, I really did. I liked his opinions on things where it wasn't like uh, you know one way or the other. It was he was like, no, there's you know conversation to be had here. It's not just like, hey, you know, well we'll take them all away, or we're gonna have to take anything away, or like you know, there's right. there's a conversation that needs to happen. Yeah, I felt like Very he was logical, which is good and probably a. Uh, Probably a little lacking in most of the, the dialogue that goes with the political climate right now. 
Frank from Minerva won his way into the event sevenfold. Okay. Uh, that show, August 6th at Blossom. Frank was a big fan of the program. Yeah. And uh, he won his way in to see Event Sevenfold. I believe we'll yeah. have those tickets all week long, will Indeed we not? Indeed we will. Look at that. We will not have M Shadows all week long. No. That would be better. Dude, the M Shadows show. Dude, no. They, they just got rid of Nikki Six, bro. Do not do this to us. What, what are we doing? Yeah, sometimes I forget, like, if, <laughs> if they do that, like, I don't still get paid. Wait. <laughs> yeah, boy, we're going to have M Shadows and Dave Grohl after that. Corey Taylor's going to do afternoons. I'm like, dude, just let him do it. But, then I, but then I forget they're not going to pay me. No. If, then if I don't do it, they're not going to pay me. Maybe somebody should start telling them I'm doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe then, uh, maybe then they might pay me. I do want to, one more time before we get out of here, I want to thank... The staff at Lobies, mm-hmm. the staff at TD's Tailgate Grill on West Huss there, and also the staff at uh, Falcons. That's where we did our Shamrock shenanigans all day Saturday for St. Patrick's Day, and all three locations were awesome to us. Um, and you guys showed up in droves, made it a huge success for Rock 1069. Our bosses have thanked us multiple times in the hallway this morning. So you made us look good. We appreciate that. I hope you guys enjoyed your pint glasses. And again, to the bars, all three staffs were awesome, and we had so much fun with you guys. Hopefully, we will be doing more of those kinds of things in the future. Looking ahead at tomorrow, 9 o'clock, will be New Turd Tuesday, New Eminem, New Jake Owen, New STP, all part of that. But Teresa today will get you hooked up with $1,000 at 1010 this morning. Aside from that, we're done. Be back at it live tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. on Rock 106.9. You guys have a great afternoon. See you. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9.